you're listening to the Google Ads Podcast, brought to you by Solutions 8, the Google Ads Agency. One of the top e-commerce education companies for quite some time. So we've found the less time that someone's on your homepage, the higher they convert. So the quicker that you can get them easy navigation to what they're looking for, the higher it is. They always start on their homepage because that's what makes them feel good and that's what they're always looking at. But the thing that will make you the most money the fastest is to fix your checkout in your cart. So you do those first, then every change that you make on your site translates into more money. It's Costume with your day, the Google News, and I'm so excited today. We're talking to Matthew Stafford, owner and CEO of Build, Grow, Scale, which has been one of the top e-commerce education companies for quite some time, Matt. I feel like you've been it for at least as long as I've been in the game. When did y'all start this? Yeah, it's probably been around eight or nine years. That's like a million years in internet years now, approaching a decade. Yeah. And I love it because on the top of your website, it says over 400 million in e-commerce sales. And I asked you about that before we started recording and you were like, yeah, we stopped counting years ago. So it's probably like a billion dollars at this point, I bet. Yeah. For me, I feel like when we say those really big numbers for the average normal person who is looking at what we do, it's hard for them to fathom. And in interviewing a bunch of our customers, I've asked them questions like, hey, what did you think of the website? Because obviously we're always optimizing websites. And a bunch of them said, oh, well, we thought you were too big to help Mm. us. And so I realized us saying what actual number is now doesn't actually do us any favors. It actually pigeonholed us into people that thought that they couldn't deal with us, that we actually get the most enjoyment out of serving. It's one of the dangers of branding. It's such a double-edged sword because you can actually brand yourself out of your target demographic. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to try to encapsulate what you do and then maybe you'll fix it for me. Okay. Sounds good. You're something of an education and mastermind that teaches people how to optimize their e-commerce store at every stage of the process. How did I do there? Yeah, perfect. So um, we have a, it's called e-commerce business blueprint, which is a program that teaches them how to set their store up with all the best practices, all the stuff that we've figured out over the years, and then how to run traffic, try to get them up to about five grand a month. Then the grow portion of it is our guided mentoring, which is the mastermind part that you were talking about. It's got a couple hundred store owners in there. We all share. I always say that what we teach now, we've been teaching it so long, it's kind of a commodity, but what you can't commoditize is the community. And so in this type of business, you spend a lot of time behind your computer and away from people. So that community becomes really valuable. And there's no way that you can know everything. E-commerce is just so big. And so to have that community that you can be like, Hey, I'm running into this and all of a sudden seven or eight or 10 store owners jump in and, oh, we use this app or, oh, you know, here's somebody that can help you out or whatever. Like we refer you guys all the time because we're like, oh, who does Google ads? Da, da, da. And then we'll tell them you. And like that community actually is super valuable. And then the scale part is where we partner with the stores. We do all their data and analytics and split testing and developer work. And then that's where we're getting all of this data that we then can teach the smaller store owners, you know, what's working right now. So it's not like theory or things that we did 10 years ago. It's like we do it all day, every day. 
What a huge value proposition that is too, that you'd help partner with. I think the thing that business owners are missing most is the ability to interpret their numbers. And so to just have a partner that can take that and own it would be huge. Yeah. And we teach that inside the group too. I love that you said you can't commoditize community. That's right. an absolutely brilliant statement. I feel like for me, if you're watching this, there's nothing more powerful you can do for yourself than build a community. Right. And you can do it in any niche, any industry, any business, any vertical it's this well that you get to revisit all the time for every, like we get leads from our community, of course, but I also get like employees from our community. The yeah, majority same. of our hiring now comes from our YouTube channel the and same. strategic yeah. partners and referrals and people like I'm supposed to be the thought leader in Google ads and I'm getting hit up all the time on LinkedIn and Twitter saying like, Hey dude, have you seen this yet? And I'm like, I haven't. Thank you so much. Like they feed me now. It's crazy. Yeah. Cause we get busy running the business. Right. And so what we've always said is that we're not a guru business. Like we only focus on one thing when someone lands on your website to get them to have a good customer journey and spend money with you. And that's it. Our best referral sources are like venture capital firms and mm. ads companies because we help the site convert better, make more sales. They can scale media, et cetera. We don't compete with them. So we actually have people like you and Sawtooth and whatever, um, teach inside of our community because we can't know it all. And if we tried to project that we did, we would just give them mediocre advice. And so we actually have a developer that teaches Tech Tuesday. We have a Facebook company that teaches Facebook Fridays and et cetera. It's a great community. That's really awesome. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to give away as much of the farm as you're comfortable with. Half of my listeners are agencies. The other half are business owners. Yeah. And what I'd like to focus on are, I'm stealing this from Ralph Burns, by the way, he always says the little hinge that swings the big door. Yeah. And I love that specific contextualization because there's a lot of improvement opportunities. There's a lot of little like 1% here, 1% there, but then there's a couple of things that just make a huge difference, just give you a lot of leverage. So when you're dealing with e-commerce stores, especially smaller ones, what are the little hinges that swing the big door? I try to teach in principles. And so I always say clarity trumps persuasion. Most people, when they do their own customer service, they end up thinking because this guy wrote in, now the website's not clear and they go fix it. And then the next one, and they go fix it and they go add and they keep adding and adding to their site. And what happens over time is you're forcing every customer to go through every one of those things that you're adding to your site. And what it does, is it just becomes like cognitive load where it's just so busy it has so much on it. It's not simple to navigate. We really teach that each page has a purpose. So your homepage is not built to sell. That would be like going into the bar, walking up to the girl and kissing her and asking she'll go home with you. That's not what it's for. It's to build one, did I land on the right site? Do they sell what I want? And then easy navigation to what I'm looking for. So we've found the less time that someone's on your homepage, the higher they convert. So the quicker that you can get them easy navigation to what they're looking for, the, the higher it is. The second page would be like a category page. And the only purpose of your category page is to be a filter. It's literally to take your 700 new arrivals that if you think about it, if someone's shopping on their phone, which is what 80% of the people are doing, how long is it going to take them at two images wide to go through your 700 new arrivals? And you wonder why only the top 10 things are converting, nothing else is working because they never even see it. So you need to give them good, good filters. Another really, really good point is that you should have like a search bar, like what Amazon and YouTube and Google have across the top. Your search traffic will literally be less than 10% of your traffic. 
but it can be as much as 30% of your revenue. It'll convert two to three times higher and be worth three to four times more than a, the average visitor. So the more people that you can get to use search, better. The reason, if you think about like, what does that tell us? It means when they can find what they're looking for, they convert at a much higher rate. Typically those sites means they have some work to do with their navigation. Dude, that was a fire hose of value. There's so many things I want to revisit there. First of all, I love clarity trumps persuasion because that's true in ad copy too. Yeah. I see people all the time, clients come to us and one of the questions we get in the sales process is, do you write the ad copy? And that's when I know I'm going to have a hard time. And I always say, yes, but you're not going to be impressed. I just go steal ad copy that's already working using tools that I spin on, spy food, et cetera. And then they're not impressed. And then they provide their own ad copy. And it's always great, right? It's always like super persuasive and sometimes creative and funny and whatever. And then my ad copy beats their ad copy. And it's because all we do is just go straight down middle of the lane and explain exactly what it is. Clarity trumps persuasion. I think that's huge. Yeah, yeah we say Homer Simpson it. So if Homer Simpson won't understand it, your customer won't either. Because if you do customer service on your store for a while, you'll realize like people just don't understand. And so it's really funny. The majority, I would say 99% of the times when we go into a site, our biggest wins for the first 90 days is literally removing everything that doesn't get used. 40% of your visitors will never scroll. People worrying about all this stuff, like wait on their page or whatever, like that's the small number of people that ever get there. And if you look, most of them have this hero image that takes up the entire screen. People think that's the end of their site. And then they're using their main menu navigation, which is the home button, shop all, about us, accessories, all stuff that doesn't actually tell them what they're going to get when they yeah, click it. doesn't mean anything. It. Right. And so we always tell people they're not going to click on something that they don't know where it takes them. So you want things to be very descriptive. Like accessories doesn't say what I'm going to go see. So depending on what you sell, your main menu navigation should just be money-making links. Very simple. You know that that's what people buy. This is an 80-20 of your site, and this is what you want them to go look at. That's New arrival. value bomb too. That's a total paradigm shift for me because I've always looked at the navigation. It's like the table of contents in a book. Your main menu navigation should be your money-making links. Your search bar could be for them to find anything. And there's several different apps that work really good, but now I have predictive search and you can put in misspells and all the other stuff. The other thing we used to teach, if you have less than four products, you don't need search. What we found is that's really dumb and really wrong. You still need it because what happens is People don't just type what product they're looking in. They'll actually search their problem. And so if they put their problem in there, you know, if you don't have that product, you can go, oh, they're searching for something we don't have. And an example of it was a site that we did. They had a hoodie that would fold into itself and become a stuffed animal. It awesome. It's called Cub Coats. And they had the number one most searched item on their store was unicorns. They didn't have a unicorn Cub Coat. And so when we... Uh, showed them their search results. They created one on Amazon day. They introduced it and they did over half a million dollars in sales in 48 hours because they literally emailed every one of their subscribers who had ever bought and they came back and bought the unicorn. That's what they've been searching for. So it was literally <laughs> from the search item that we found her, we would have never discovered it. Half a million dollars in unicorn sales. That's so funny. More value bombs from you. I like that you said 40% of your visitors will never scroll. 
Yeah. That's huge. That gives a ton of preferential treatment to above the fold. But like you said, we don't really want them on whatever page they've landed on long-term anyway, especially right. if it's the homepage. You want to get them to what they're looking for as soon as possible. So get them to a product page. But most people just run an ad because their navigation and their homepage works so poorly. Mm -hmm. They run them to an ad where well, you're making an assumption that they're going to like that product or not, and then they're going to leave or they're going to go back and try to find it. The easier you make that process, the higher that traffic starts converting. We all know Dan Kennedy said, whoever can spend the most to acquire the customer wins. And so if you convert, if you think about it, an average e-commerce site converts around 2% to 2.5%. So that means out of 100 visitors that you sent, 97 of them left without buying and 97 plus. And they all think like, okay, I'm going to go buy another hundred visits and make two and a half more sales. The problem with that is you had 97 and a half people that raised their hand that said, yes, I'm interested in what the ad said, came to your site and it wasn't persuasive enough to make the sale. Let's figure out what your site is missing or convoluting and get two more of those 97 to say yes and double your business. Then when you buy ads, you get four out of a hundred and you can start dominating your market space with your customers. Well, and using the example you just provided, that's effectively doubling your budget. Yeah. It's the same impact as doubling your budget. So if you're spending whatever it is, five grand, that's equivalent to spending 10 grand. And I imagine that generally speaking, the lifts are a lot lighter than that expenditure. Yeah, you'd be shocked how fast we can get that. The other thing is people don't look at, like we're always on the site. So we look at like bounce rate. Well, you can cut your trafficking costs in half by lowering your bounce rate by 10%. We say over 75% is a red flag, but you'd be shocked how many sites we see that are 80, 90% bounce rate. Oh, I see those too. And they leave. And so if you think that you're spending $2.50 to get a visitor, but your bounce rate's 90%, you're really spending 10 times that. And so you cut that down to 80%. Now all of a sudden you double the amount of traffic seeing it for the same ad spend. You can start clawing back some of that loss or hopefully get back closer to break even. We try to teach our store owners break even on the front end, be really good on the back end. That's where all your profit is. Acquire the customer as fast as you can and then make your money in the 30 to 40% that comes from the back end. I'm glad to hear you say that. We try to do that too. But it's a difficult narrative for people to accept coming from us because we're the paid ad agency. We're basically saying, give me more money and hold me less accountable. But it's nice that I've got an expert where I can be like, you see, if Matt's saying it and he's the dude, because you're absolutely right. Like I need to be able to bid. And it's gotten more true the more aggressive e-commerce has gotten. Three, yeah. four, five years ago, you could really mint money on the front end. But yeah. now every industry has been so heavily commoditized. Everybody's gotten so efficient. I can't tell you all the big businesses that we work with have one X row as requirements. Yeah. Like so there's breaking the, even. The thing that people don't realize is if you're thinking you can only spend $30 to acquire a customer, you only get the $30 and under pool of clients or buyers. The moment that you can spend $40, all of a sudden you put yourself into a whole nother tier right. of higher buyers. And you'd be shocked at the difference between a $20 shirt buyer and a $39 shirt buyer and how many times they'll come back to your site and buy again and again and again. This is not a glitch. 
I'm interrupting the video you're watching because I need to remind you that I'm always looking for people to join our team. So if you're passionate about Google Ads and you want to work with the best Google Ads agency on the planet, please go to solate.com forward slash apply. Speaking of working with the best Google Ads agency on the planet, if you're having trouble with Google Ads and you want professional help, that's what we do. You can go to solate.com, that's S-O-L-8.com, to apply for your free, no obligation action plan. And if I've given you any level of value at all, maybe think about giving me a thumbs up and subscribing to our channel. That's how we juice the YouTube algorithm so they actually know that I know what I'm talking about. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or confessions, hit me below in the comments. And now, back to your regularly scheduled program. If they like the product or they resonate with the brand. When the person uh, spending 39 bucks on a shirt is more likely to buy the matching sock. Whole different yeah. demographic. It's a totally different set of buyers and it will revolutionize your business the moment that you can get the higher tier that you can get into and break even on the front end, the much faster that we see those businesses become highly profitable on the back end. I love that. You mentioned improving bounce rate. What are some specific ways people can do that? Like what are some of the levers that you feel like you can pull to make sure that bounce isn't bad? The amount of apps that they use and delete and do that because a lot of times those apps inject code and then they go, oh, we're not using it and they delete it. Mm. Well, that code is still in their site because it injected that code in. And basically what causes poor site speed is someone clicks something or your site loads. And when it's loading, it's calling back to a server. Well, then the server has to check with the app company, with Shopify, et cetera. And if that app is missing, then it's sitting there making that call over and over and over until it times out and then it moves to the next thing. And so what happens is when you have a whole bunch of that, that slows your speed down a lot or huge images. Shopify's done a really good job in the last year to compress images and fix a lot of that. But if you put in these huge images, it ends up not displaying right, doing a bunch of other funky things. So it's really um, apps, site speed, a bunch of dev work that they haven't went in and kind of unified the code every so often. If you're changing a lot of stuff on your site, at least every 90 days you should go in and kind of just do like a refresh and clean stuff up and make your site speed load we talk about it a lot site speed is a huge factor in conversion rate so i think the monthly marketing thing that we put out coming out this month is all about site speed so one second will reduce like 16 percent of your buyers two seconds it's like 46 percent three seconds, it's over 60%. So people really want the site to load fast. And if it doesn't, they bounce. Three seconds reduces 60% of your buyers. Yeah. Wow. That's a big door right there. Yeah, Go yeah, up site sure. speed. Yeah. I knew site speed was important. I didn't realize it was that bad. Three seconds. Yeah, Google gives a lot of stats around it because they actually, the faster your site loads, the more organic traffic they'll give you because they yep. expect that to be a good site experience. So yeah. when we go in and do, we have it as a service, but when we go in and fix people's site speed, we watch their organic traffic go up a lot in some cases. You only work with Shopify or are you doing everything? Big commerce, uh, commerce Illusion, Samcart? We'll do like Shopify, WooCommerce, some big commerce. That's like 90% of who we deal with. It'd be great to say we do everything, but we don't. So No, anybody who says they yeah. do everything, I'm always like, no, nah, yeah. I'm skeptical yeah. of you now. I love what you said about the search bar. Search is 10% of your traffic, but 30% of your sales. Yeah. And Dude, I love that you have all these data points too. Typically less. Like we had a store that about 7% of their search traffic was bringing in 37% of their volume. Huge. The other thing that I would tell everybody, if you want like these little tidbits, they always start on their homepage because that's what makes them feel good. And that's what they're always looking at. But the thing that will make you the most money the fastest is to fix your checkout 
in your cart. So you do those first, then every change that you make on your site translates into more money. If you spend a week fixing your homepage and doing all that, but your cart and your checkout is still broken, it feels like you did a bunch of work, but you're not getting any more money. It's very demoralizing and you end up not really doing the work that you need to because you get frustrated. So if you fix the things that are going to give you money first, then every change you make, you can see if it's good or bad right away. And it gets you a lot more excited to work on your store. And what are some of the things you can do for a checkout and cart? Make sure that all your buttons are the exact same color from start to finish of your store. It's funny how many, even really big brands that are on Shopify Plus, that it's a default checkout or it's a default checkout button that doesn't match all of the rest of their store branding and colors because you have to go to a different setting to do it. The other thing is a lot of times it will, it just uploads whatever logo you have on your site. Well, that's valuable real estate because that's where the transaction's about to take place. And so we teach, there's a lot of different things that you can do to increase trust, like put an email, put a phone number, things like that. Have a question, call us, email us along. So you create an image that has your logo and then trust right there. And they go, oh, wow. In their head, they're like, if I have a problem, I'm going to be able to get a hold of them instead of just this generic thing. Love that you just said that. I feel like so many e-commerce and SaaS people, they're the worst at this. Yeah. They don't want checkout is terrible. any human connection whatsoever. Yeah. So I love that you're saying like, hey, give them a way to reach out to you because I can't tell you how many clients I have. It's more than not. Yeah. They're like, oh no, we don't want them to be able to call us, email this, us, find us on social. Thing, the thing is they won't. People go, oh, they that's just want the be- option. They literally want to see that you're available if they can. And so we encourage people to just get a Google voice number, put a phone number that will send it to an email. Right. And then your customer service can take care of it. The other thing, I mean, I just talked at Copy Accelerator. I was really surprised. Another whole niche that gets blamed for everything not working is the copy, the people that write the copy. But like if the store owner or the site owner hasn't like optimized the checkout, it's default to a poor experience and that's where they lose a lot of people. It's not the copy, not doing the job. It's the store or the checkout page. So in your form field, you have the ability to put text in there. So typically it's always default email, first name, last name, phone, optional, second address or business, all these things that they can go in and adjust. So like in the email field, we put email, for order confirmation. The moment that you do that, it's reduced our errors in the email field up to 70%. Wow. So like, if you think about it, people will allow you. And I thought of it way back when I was reading, I think it was contagious or something else where people will give you information if they know, if they have a reason why, if you tell them the reason why. 80% of people will let someone cut in line if they go, hey, can I cut in line? I'm running late. Like it makes no difference what the reason is. You just give them a reason and they'll be like, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, okay. So if we give them a reason why we're asking for their email, maybe we'll get a better email or maybe we'll get less errors. And so we put in there the number one open email that gets sent out is order confirmation. And that is the email that we need to send them that. So we just said email for your order confirmation and it reduced the errors. Then for phone, SMS is about 30 to 40% of your revenue. SMS and email is about 30 to 40% of your revenue in e-commerce. We put phone required for shipping notifications. 
So both ones were giving them what the field is, why we need it. And that has like made a massive difference. We, and we've tested all kinds of language in there. Like we put, we will never call you. But when we did, we will never call you. We literally tanked conversions. It was like a four X, like worse. And we're like, okay. So what we did is we introduced a problem that they weren't considering that, oh, if I put my phone number in there, they're going to call me. And so as soon as we went back to for shipping notifications, we went right back to where it was. So like, we know that that form field text matters a lot. That's brilliant. I forget who it was I was talking to. It was some authority in email marketing. And he said that when you put a notification under an email saying, you know, we hate spam too, or we'll never spam you. He's like, it actually hurts conversions. Yeah. It's like, why are you bringing up spam? We get that same with too many trust symbols. It makes the site feel untrustworthy. So when people are putting all kinds of those types of things on their site or like get rid of them, like you feel like a drop shipper. He who doth protest most. Yeah. God, that's really brilliant. Man, it's so funny because there's all these little micro-optimizations you can make, especially in the realm of e-commerce. One other one that uh, maybe everybody can, and I'm trying to do simple ones that anyone can do themselves. It's called the hierarchy of focus, another principle. On your page, whatever page they land on, you want them to literally only have the next most important action that they're going to take stand out. Having your add to cart button or proceed to checkout match everything else on the site is actually bad. It doesn't matter what color it is. Like everybody wants to test button colors. We've never found huge lifts in different colors. What we found the huge lift being in is when your hierarchy of focus, that button color doesn't match everything else because in their head, that's the next most important action to make. Until they see it, it stands out. That's what they're thinking about. And then there should always only other, ever be like a second primary action. So they have a main thing you want them to do, or they can find more, or they can see more, learn more, or whatever. By just making sure that they have that hierarchy of focus on a page matters. Not have like four black buttons or four green buttons, literally the next most important thing. I love that. Don Miller calls that his primary CTA and his transitional CTA. Yeah. And so it's like, you can always continue telling yourself the story or anytime you want, you can just buy. Right. And I really like just the way that he simplified that. And I like that you brought it into e-commerce too. I've heard the unique button color referred to as the isolation effect. They talk about how psychologically you just can't not look at something that's, you almost want it to break the brand. Yeah, we do. You, know, you almost want it to be like, like visually unappealing. That. It's really funny how many times we almost argue with them and be like, yeah, we understand. But no, it's ugly. That's the point. Yeah. We, yeah. When you get to that page, you see it. I always say, what is the most important thing that you want them to do here? And they're like, bye. I'm like, okay, then don't make it hard for them to do that. Like, let's make it super simple. Really, really obvious what the next thing to do is. Like Shopify, I mean, they're by far the 800-pound gorilla in e-commerce, but like developers aren't conversion specialists. They build themes not to convert. They build them to be an online store catalog. Well, online store catalogs don't convert. And so <laughs> when you look at your site as like your homepage is top of funnel and your checkout is the bottom of funnel, what do you have to do to move them through that process? And each page has a purpose and a specific thing then that focus becomes even more important. When you get to your product page, you want it to say add to cart because that's the next thing you're going to do, not buy now. 
because they're going to actually go to a cart and they're not ready to buy. They're not even ready to buy when they get to the checkout. They're ready to enter their information and then proceed to shipping and then they're going to buy. The words on each button as you go through the process should just ask them to go to the next step, not this huge commitment. So when you see buy now and all this other stuff on the homepage, you'd be shocked how much less that gets clicked than learn more or more options or see more. And then on the product page, should be add to cart with a little arrow. Then on your cart, proceed to checkout. And then on proceed to checkout, continue to shipping. And so you literally just work them through the process very slowly and they don't have to think about what's coming, what's happening. It's just a very smooth process. That is absolutely brilliant. What a value bomb that is. Micro commitments. Yeah. Don't ask for the whole kit and caboodle right on the front end. I'm not ready, but I'm willing to kind of walk through this hypothetical with you as long as you don't make me feel like I'm lying to you at some point. Yeah. And the thing is like they read every button. They have to read it because they need to know where they're going, what they're doing. And so if you can literally enter the conversation in their mind where they're at, I'm on the product page. I'm not ready to buy now. Even if I'm think I want this. We bought hundreds of thousands of videos now over the years. People use their cart to shop. So like they'll go through the store and add seven or eight things to their cart and then look at their cart and go through it and get rid of the things they don't want and then go on to buy. Like a lot of people shop like that. And so if it's like buy now, like in their head, they're like, no, I'm not buying now. I'm like shopping. Shortlisting. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'm adding to my cart is actually what I'm doing. So just say add to cart. That is genius. So one of the things that I've noticed, and I swear this probably happens 80% of the e-commerce sites that I evaluate, and even this is true with sites that have robust SKU counts, you scroll through the site, look at the store, look at the catalog, you find a product you like, and you click on whatever the conversion button says, and I won't speak to the nomenclature, and then it takes you to checkout. Yeah. And I'm like, why? The analogy I've always used is imagine going through Target and you've got your shopping cart and you're rolling around and you have a whole laundry list in your mind. And you take the very first thing, throw it in your cart, and then somebody from Target like comes sprinting down the aisle, yeah. and then they drag you to the checkout. Yeah. And I'm just like, why would you force yeah. keep them going? They're buyers now. Let them continue to buy. Yeah. So we always say that we treat everybody as a browser until they add to their cart. Then we consider them a buyer. Once they do that, then the next step is to get them to buy from you and then work on getting them to come back over and over. Yeah. Same thing. So like... They're a shopper once they put something in the cart. And, and then at that point, you get to talk to them different, treat them different and so on. Yeah. That's really cool. Matthew, if people want to work with Build, Grow, Scale, what's the ascension path look like? Like, where's the easy place to start? What's there? Literally, you could go to our website and there's an opt-in form where we give you some free resources. There's also links to our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, et cetera. And there's tons of free stuff on there. Like you and I are talking about before the thing. We would love to provide a bunch of value for you. And then when it makes sense, then choose to do business with us. That's what we would look for, or we'd enjoy that. Well, and your YouTube channel is really robust. Like I'm looking at, I mean, you got 11,000 subscribers almost. Looks like hundreds of videos. Most people have like two, three, four minute videos. You've got like an hour. These are our podcasts. So all different subjects, topics that, you know, that they get a lot of value from. This is great. So I'm going to include links to your website, your YouTube channel. Where do people, if somebody wants to connect with you, where's the best place to go? On there, or they could email me at matt at buildgrowscale.com. Okay. Last words to you, sir. Any final nuggets for our audience? I'm happy to serve. So they can, you know, if they have a question or they need help, 
we'd love to help them. Like I said, there's tons of free resources. So yeah, well, I want to pair it what you said. You can't commoditize community. Yeah. And if you don't have a community, this is a good one. Like yeah. find one, but this is a damn good one. And the community should be in your niche. And, you know, e-com is a pretty specific niche. So, I mean, you just overwhelmed us with value here. I think you've kind of established yourself. Yeah, we can't be experts at everything. And so the community should be a blend of multiple experts that create the whole picture. Otherwise, you got to be a part of three or four communities. And when you do that, like we all know that I always ask myself for anything that I do, is this sustainable? Like it's easy when you're excited to get into that community and learn a bunch of stuff and do that. But what happens as soon as you start doing that work, it's hard to be a part of three or four different communities and actually stay up with what's going on. So really to find a community that doesn't try to be a guru, but has like the experts, the things that you need to run your business. That's the easiest, most sustainable process. And that's really how we built our community is around being sustainable. Can they go in one place and literally get 95% of their questions answered fairly quickly and easily? I really love that. Matthew Stafford, owner and CEO of buildgoscale.com. If you're watching this, check out Matthew, send some love his way. He's donating his time to us. We're super grateful. We shoot a video every day, like, comment, subscribe. If you've got questions, hit us in the comments below. And other than that, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Google Ads Podcast. For more ways to grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com. Kasim here. If you're running Google Ads, even if your campaigns are successful, my years of experience have taught me that there are almost always enormous improvement opportunities. Now, what if the best Google Ads agency in the world was willing to review your Google Ads campaigns for free and provide you with a comprehensive action plan, no cost or obligation? Notice, I didn't say audit or evaluation. I said action plan a bullet point by bullet point breakdown of exactly what needs to be done to improve your Google Ads campaigns. Yours to keep, no cost or obligation. Head over to solate.com to get a free Google Ads action plan customized for your business. No strings attached. That's S-O-L-8.com. S-O-L, the number 8.com.